0: Well thanks for doing this, man. Um, I was just you know we were we were talking I guess it was after the r g t race a little bit and and you're like man I just I'm riding better than I was in the past you know you used to doing eighteen hour weeks and it became like you're doing more like ten years with racing a lot, and your fitness is like better than ever and I'd had like very similar feelings like and it's not, and, and so I, I wanted to just kind of like figure out the details of that. And I, you know, it's, I mean, it's not the riding less that's making us better. It's the composition of the, the time spent riding, I would say, and, and the intricacies of Zwift racing and the and the way you ride on a trainer and all that stuff. So I just figured it would know, be cool to pick your brain about how, um, how you have personally felt all that stuff has impacted your riding.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it sounds cool. Yeah, I've definitely, I gave it some thought like the last couple of days and like kind of, because I hadn't thought about it like in detail a ton. And then a lot of, a lot of what you were saying was really interesting like that with like the, the quality of training, I think is like at the top of the list where. I mean, there's no junk miles on the trainer, so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, We, I think, really only raced together. I have a quick go. question. Go. All
2: right, I don't know Zach at all. So, did you reduce training time because of like something in life, or just because you're like, I'm riding on Zwift and I don't have to ride, or like, what's go, what caused the reduction in hours, and like. Just some background story. I have only Googled you and like looked. I know you raced with Echelon and like just did this Whiff thing. And so, like, what's kind of your? I know how Patrick got into this and like his was life and baby and things going on. Like, what's your sort of background here?
1: Yeah, interesting story. I guess um, I was kind of full time road racing the last few years. At least I went to Marion University in Indianapolis and was kind of balancing school and cycling there and then by the time I graduated I was kind of on the cusp of like I'm almost good enough to like try to go pro so I'm like if I'm going to go for it I'm going to go for it now when I'm like 22 I have the time like I'm going to go for it now so then I did the whole thing like moved to Tucson for the winter trained 20 hours a week go all in Live live out of a van all year, dropped all the races: Hilo, Redlands, Joe Martin, Cascade Nationals, and did that in 2018 and 2019. And was I mean, it was I had a lot of success with that. Uh, last year was definitely the best I'd done. I probably the top result, top two results I had were second overall at Cascade in a pro race and ninth at US Pro Nets. And this whole time I'm racing as an amateur against the pros. So I'm like, I'm really really close. And the market is so hard to get a contract and everything. So like, it didn't work out. And then in hindsight, I'm kind of glad it didn't work out because then this year would have been crazy. I would have been like, there's no racing. Like, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) So over the winter, I kind of transitioned to, I was like, I'm going to step away from full-time road racing. I'm still going to think about it for the future, but I'm going to move back home to Milwaukee and kind of settle down, get my business going. I have a coaching business and I write for Bella News and do some freelance writing with that. And I was like, I'm going to spend a lot more time on this and try to plan for the long-term and then have cycling still be very important in my life, but not be the number one thing. So that's kind of where I was at in January, February this year. And in hindsight, it was an amazing decision because <laughs> then I had all that extra time to focus on that and racing kind of went away. And then probably in March, March or April is when I I literally had never ridden on Zwift before. So I just like jumped into it because I was like, there's no racing, there's nothing really to do. I'm just at home riding the trainer. I don't even know why anymore. But then my team was like my team was like, we're gonna host this like just one off like Zwift stage race that was like a meetup and everything. It wasn't official. It was like everyone's like at their homes, just like itching to race because we had like trained all winter and was like, well, there's no racing, but we're all super fit, like we might as well try Zwift. And then as soon as I did that, like, I mean I got dropped and got last, but <laughs> I was having a ton of fun. <laughs> I'm horrible at Zwift racing. People are
2: like, do you like Zwift racing? I'm like, well, it was fun, but I'm really bad. They're like, well, what place do you come? And I'm like, I usually don't finish. They're like, what do you mean? I was like, I usually get dropped, and then I leave the world and go do a ride. So I know exactly what
0: ride you're talking about. And it was when we, and, you know, neither of us knew anything about other at the time. It we was like, race with me, please. And you're like, fine, I'll do it. I got nothing else to do. And it was, it was New York, uh, Everything ba- everything Bagel, the one with the, the, the cl- hard, like, clear climbs. Where they're really hard climbs, dude. And we, like, entered this random race. And actually, Sean from our team was in that race. And DNF, because he was like, this is ridiculous. This is way too hard. So it was, like, actually a terribly difficult race. We just had no idea. And the Are you, telling Are
2: you telling
0: me this? Is this the race we did? Yeah, the race we did.
2: Yeah, dude. I, literally, I, I remember... I hit some climb and I was doing like 650 Watts. And I'm like, how are people riding away from like, what is going on with this trainer? And I'm like, the Watts are there. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, this must be the top. And like people, and people are just like riding away, riding away. I'm like, this is all I got. Like, I don't know who I'm racing against, but this is, this is tough. And I raced with Adam Zimmerman one time and he was like, all right, the problem is you use the power up at the wrong time. I'm like, the what? He's like, you didn't hit, I saw you use your power up and it was totally a bad time. I'm like, all right, m i am like alright I need to really rethink this. And I I'll be honest, I had never put the like energy into it. That's what everybody says. Like Laura that we were talking to about it, you know, studying the courses, knowing, um, just it, yeah, it's a just it's a game. It's a different game, different beast. So it's it's very interesting to hear how people have adapted to that and embraced it and ran with it or biked with it, whatever. But yeah, that's cool.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I was listening to another podcast recently, and they're like, it's, it's, it's not fake. It's real racing. Uh, on fake bikes or something. It's real racing on. I'm not, It's racing, but it's not bike racing per se. It's different. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, so you're it's it's clearly working out well for you. You just uh, did super well at the RGT Gila and uh, recently got into the top fifty. So I mean, I'm still haven't cracked top fifty. Shame on me. I've been doing it about as long as you have. Um, so yeah, I just I'd, I'd be curious to know like how are you how are you charting your fitness growth. Uh I'm assuming you're doing a lot of racing just to get used to the platform and, uh, how are you doing the recovery, all these different aspects and, and what is it about the platform that has really, um, helped your, uh, helped your fitness level?
1: Yeah. So I think when I was doing 18 to 20 hours a week of training, it was just mostly zone to just endurance stuff, like 90% of it, I would do intervals, maybe, once or twice a week. And it was always like a sweet spot or threshold kind of thing. I never really did like anaerobic or VO2 efforts in training. And I still hate doing those kind of intervals because they're so painful, but with the Zwift racing, they just happen. Like it doesn't feel like I'm doing a two minute interval at 500 Watts. It's just, well, I have to stay in the front group on this climb. So I'm going to have to do this if I want to stay in the race. So I think with that, my... Endurance kind of carried over into Zwift for a while where I'm able to recover like really well, like day to day. I can I remember a couple times this summer I would just I would just to try it do like four days of Zwift racing in a row. And I was like, on day three and day four, I'm like, I'm I think I'm gonna crack, but I'll just I'm just gonna try and see. And then I would usually get better like day to day. It was really weird. But I was always kind of like that when I was um training a time too, like at Redlands, I was always I would always be the best, like on the last day. Whereas like the first day I would almost kind of feel flat. So with whiff racing, I've definitely had to learn like go like full gas, like from the gun, like when I'm fresh. Whereas in road racing, I would always like take the neutral zone to warm up and then like take the next hour to warm up. And then like the important part of the race would usually be like the second half or maybe the final hour of a long road race. resins with like, you have to do five, 600 Watts like for the first 30 seconds every time. <laughs> so I'd never done that before. And, um, with the, you know, with the racing, I definitely started in like the smaller's with races where there'd be like 10 or 20 A's and those races are always, I think they're more realistic because unless there's like a couple super strong guys, like normally those smaller races are just going to be like easier on the easy bits. And then the climbs are still going to be full gas. Whereas like once I started doing the bigger series races with a hundred or 150 A's, I mean, on the easy parts, you're sitting at like 300 Watts the whole time. (laughs) And then you still have to go full gas on the climbs. And it took me a long time to get there where I was, it took me probably three or four months where I was like comfortable sitting at like a tempo and then going VO2 on the climbs and then going back to tempo and then VO2 again. That took a long time to get used to that because real life racing is not like that at all. Yeah. I have
0: Similar kind of uh, feelings about, that whole process I you know it's funny I still actually do a lot of zone two my zone two rides are just short and they probably like you know I would say it's reasonable to say that they end up being a little tempoy. but I you know I just because of my schedule and everything like my ride window is like pretty strict um but I I think uh it's it's the um, it's the micro changes of intensity that I think are like a little bit different than like you go out and you do sweet spot intervals on the road. You're not going to be forced into doing these little over under things that like, even when you're in a Zwift race, it's kind of cruisy and it's like almost sweet spot. It's not steady sweet spot. It's, it's these little like, Oh, you got to throttle for 25 pedal strokes and that's a little under for, so you're constantly getting these little dips. And, and that made me, that kind of makes me think like, um, recently uh, people have been talking about how you know you get better fitness gains by doing like these over under style instead of just trying to ride at threshold if you're trying to get threshold better you actually do above and below and it's that sort of thing is built into the platform maybe maybe
2: It's it's actually really interesting because you know the number one comment that you'll get a lot of times from especially a newer athlete that's learning how to do intervals and control their power they're like oh i only have rollers here i need to do this on a climb or or now people like oh i need to do these inside because i need to like pin it and it's we kind of had a conversation about this the other day of just just that like maybe actually riding them on the rollers is even better because the little bit of reduction of power when you're going on a slight downhill gradient you're teaching your body to clear lactate and then you're maybe going a little bit over when it rolls up again. And you are getting that like over under without really planning it. And I've never really thought about that. Um, I think that's an interesting thing to have people do on the road, like start telling people don't do it on just a climb. Don't try and pin it, like do more over under. And some of your guys files are like, just when I got used to seeing people do a Zwift race, I'm like, this looks painful like how and I think it's also the other thing that you said Zach I think is really important we have a lot of newer athletes that watch this type of stuff is that it took you an experienced cyclist three to four months to get used to doing that we are in the window when you talk to an athlete and they want to go from cat five to top 20 at Belgian waffle ride in a season and it's like I'm sorry that's not endurance sports like you okay there's a long journey there but even in understanding your training, like, okay, this is a new thing. It's going to take me a little while to be good at this. And we're in the like now economy where like, if you're not good at it tomorrow, forget it. And so that's a really good thing to, for people to hear.
0: Yeah. So, um, you, uh, yeah. So, so could you unpack the, uh, oh, I said
2: it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, That's Patrick's uh, coin term. Un- unpack that. We had one oh, one yeah. conversation where he said unpack that like Unpack that a little bit more. That's my one. That's my one. I'm giving myself <laughs> one. Uh
0: describe the components of your fitness level and you know what you've observed. Uh you, you know, it's trending up. How are you observing that that trend now versus when you were more road?
1: Yeah, I definitely used to follow, um, the numbers on training peaks a little more closely, a lot of the CTL, I would just try to get it just up and up and up forever. And, and for the last like four or five months, like, like it's just been going down. But then like, I look at my peak power chart and those numbers are all going up and I'm like, I think I'm, there's something not right here <laughs> where like, I, I mean, my CTL, I think it's a reflection more of my, road racing and stage racing ability where, I mean, if I did five days of three hour races in a row right now, I don't think I would be good on the fourth and fifth day. Whereas if I can do Zwift racing for five days in a row, as long as they're all less than an hour, I think I can handle that right now because that's what my training has been focused around. It's like one to two hour rides every day, maybe a three hour ride once a week. So I can handle that kind of repeatability week to week and day to day and with the peak power numbers it's like it's crazy they've I've almost been like setting power PRs for like a month or two in a row now where like my five minute goes up by like a couple watts like each week and they're always like in races too which is a very different dynamic where I'll set like a five minute power PR but then I look at the power file and it's like well I did 320 watts for 35 minutes before this and then set a five-minute PR so like my fresh five minutes like I wonder how much higher that is because I I don't do a lot of that those one-off testing it's an interesting number to look at but I always think of it in terms of like well I want to apply it to the racing I'm doing so in a race I'm never just gonna be super fresh and then do a five-minute effort to try to win I'm gonna be tired coming in
2: (laughs) Dude, I love I, I I love you for saying that. It's like the number of people that just obsess over their watts per kg chart. I'm like, this is a great guide, but literally say just that. When is how is this applicable to your race? Like you need to understand how many times can you do that? That's great if you have a massive whatever five minute power, but what happens when you do it like the fifth time? Are you at sixty percent or eighty percent of that power? And so That would actually be an interesting thing. I'd wonder for guys like you guys that are doing a lot of Zwift, like what would the repeat, what happens to repeatability? Like maybe it's just as good because you do still do three days in a row and it's these different efforts where you're doing them at the end, like doing 30 minutes and then setting a PR and maybe somehow you're still getting like the depth of these efforts. That would be a really interesting like study. One group that's, doing like five by fives in training and seeing how they can repeat stuff. And then Zwift racers after like six months of Zwift racing, what's their five minute on like the fourth attempt, even though you never really do it. Like, does it change? Does it go down? Your, your watts are going higher. Like there's so many variables in there. It'd be probably pretty hard to execute, but it'd be very, very curious about that.
1: Yeah. So I actually did, this super long race on Sunday. It was um, the KISS 100 series and then for this weekend, we did the PRL full. So it was 173k. I think it's like 106 miles, something around that. So it's 11 laps of the London Loop with Box Hill in it. And so basically, I figured out the timing during the race because I had four hours of just listening to music and thinking. So... It was basically like 12 minutes on the flat part and then a six minute climb and then like two minute recovery. And you just repeat that for, I think my finishing time was like four hours and 11 minutes. It was really long. (laughs) And yeah. So then like looking at the numbers, it was really interesting because I think on lap five was when the race split from like 50 guys down to 20. And on that climb, Me and most of the other front group were at like 5.8 to 6 watts per kilo for five minutes. And then we kept going for another two hours and then hit the climb for the final time. And we probably had at least 10 or 15 guys left. And by the top of the climb, there were only four of us left. But my numbers from that one, I did like 5.6 watts per kilo for five minutes. Like significantly under what I had done before, but just four hours in at this point and there were guys just, like, exploding going off the back, and then, yeah, coming off of that last climb, we had, like, 10k to go until the final sprint, and, like, yeah, this is interesting with the numbers, because I don't have a really great sprint, like, just pure power-wise, but when I'm super, super tired, I can still do the same numbers, so in the final sprint, I did, like, 950 watts for like 15 seconds and i destroyed everybody because like no one else could do more than 800 watts at that point (laughs) whereas most of these guys can hit at least 11 or 1200 when they're fresh but at the end of that race it was like no one had any acceleration anymore it was so we were so tired
0: (laughs) that's nuts that's a long swift race
2: what do you guys think is swift uh, I don't want to call you Zwift people as people that use Zwift or whatever, when you, so I think one thing that I always tell Patrick, I'm like, you gotta be careful about saying like, I think the message at first came across was like, I'm riding less, I'm faster. And then we're like, well, it's not really that it's the focus. It's that there's no junk miles. There's like, you're optimizing your time. You're just being really smart about training. What do you think is a good message question to both you guys? four athletes that can now see this and be like we've tried to tell people I remember Clayton Burroughs I always use him as an example he was he won the NRC crit championship in like 2011 maybe I want to say he was getting his PhD and there's an article he's like dude I'm training like six to seven hours a week it's just crit specific training like i want to still race and be good so i always tell people hey you might not be an nrc level athlete but you can be your version of very fast on 8 to 12 hours because people look i'm a big volume person they see me on straw i'm like i don't i can't train that much i'm like please don't it's not going to make you faster it's just what i like to do so for people that are going to watch this and say hey all right these guys they're finding success maybe they're trying they think they need to do 15 hours and maybe they still want to go on the road what do you think the advice is like what's a good 10 hour like use of their time i think we've already hit a couple like all right try to reduce junk miles um you know i think planning is key you guys are getting inherent planning by racing a lot and by like when you're on there you're probably not gonna like just dawdle around because that's not super fun in a basement looking at a screen like. <laughs> How do you think people can use this to look to their road racing or we should even say more people are like gravel racing and stuff now how does this what's a good maybe back and forth like how do the the two worlds like Zwift and in real life racing like what tips do you think you guys might take or what would you modify in your road training if all of a sudden you both were back to doing fifteen hours or twenty hours
1: for me, I would definitely keep the the focus on high quality intervals. So for me right now, it's like focusing on the series races. So a couple of times a week, there's like, there's the midweek uh, Swedish Swifters race on Wednesdays. And that's a huge one. Like I've done that before. There's like 200 A's. And it's always like the crazy, it's a crazy hard race. And because I know that's coming, like I'll focus on it. Like Tuesday, I'll take it easy. Monday, I usually take off. And then I'll do, like a solid warm-up before the Wednesday race. So like I know that's going to be a high quality effort. I'm not coming into that tired. I'm not coming into that being like, I'll just see how it goes. It's like this is going to be the focus for the day. I'm going to go super, super hard and then recover the next day so I can get the most benefit out of that session. So with intervals, I'll do the same thing where it's like each interval, I want to get the most out of this session. So I don't want to putz around for three hours the day before. And then during the interval session, I'm like, oh, this feels really hard. I think I'm kind of tired. I'm going to cut off like 20 watts. And then from there, sometimes there's a domino effect and like you're extra tired the day after that. And it just kind of takes you out of that solid training cycle. So for me, I think it's focusing on high quality intervals once or twice a week and then A lot of it is like based on your life schedule too, like when maybe you can fit in one long ride a week if you are training for a longer event. If you're just training for crits, I really don't see a huge benefit from doing more than a two or three hour ride once a week. You can keep it under eight hours of training a week and be totally fine if all your races are an hour or less. If you are training for the gravel stuff, that kind of ultra endurance thing or on the edge of endurance, ultra endurance, you're definitely gonna have to build up that volume at some point. Maybe not even for the fitness factor, but just being comfortable on the bike for that that long. I know that has been big for me going from road racing to, I did some gravel racing and seven hours is a lot different from four, especially from like my back and my arms. Like my arms would get tired like five hours in. I'm like, my legs are fine, but like, I just want to break. I just want to like lay down for a little, a little bit. <laughs> but I think just being comfortable on your bike, you have to build that up if you're planning on doing a 10 or 11 hour race. Oh,
2: so. those are good points. So
0: Brendan, what, what you said really uh, right off the bat stood out to me. It's like you ride a lot because it's what you like to do. It's what you like to do. You need to make sure like where you're starting from. Well, you need to understand what the discipline you're trying to do well at needs from you and then you have to figure out like what you like to do so it's sustainable like that's that's for me like i like going hard i like and i like being able to do these races where i'm competing i like competing i like others to I i want to be better than everybody in this race and like if i'm not it just makes me want to try harder next time so like i'm doing what i like to do and that's sustainable, so I do more of it, so I'm less big picture. Like I've never gotten to December done this much intensity and this many races or races, they're races, and and been like, I want more. Never, because it's it's just more sustainable for me. Like, so, so I think that's, that's key. People need to figure out like within their life and within their schedule, like what, what the effort is that they like and figure out how that can complement what their objective is and what their their race objective is.
2: And that's also the thing that's interesting with, like, I'm a huge fan of social media. I think there's a lot of positive, and there's obviously articles of why social media can be negative. But social media, when we look at training, you know, you see someone else, what they're doing on Strava or on Zwift, you know, what races, how many times they're racing. It's like, well, wait. Everyone wants to then look back at themselves like, well, I'm not doing this, so I'm not going to be as good as him, or I'm not this – And you never really know their goals. Like you don't know what they're training for and everyone's not going for the same objective. So it's like, I think it's really important for athletes, especially now. I mean, I remember when I first started training, the only social media I had was the email between me and my coach. There was no one else to worry about. Like I didn't know what the guy, you went to a race and you had no idea what anybody had been doing. It's like, there was no research, no nothing. And I remember when I first started blogging about, training the guy one guy who mentored me he's like hey man just fyi he always used the term fred he's like it's kind of like corny to talk about training data like you don't want to be posting like what your ftp is and dah, 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 dah. and i was like damn no one else really does do that maybe i shouldn't like do i look like a douche right now <laughs> but i just thought it was really interesting like you get a power meter you're like you figure out how to use it your coach is telling you stuff you're like learning all this stuff But like there wasn't really like they had you know training race when the power meter was out and that was it but so I think it's really, you, you nailed it, Patrick, of like, just you got it. Got to be good for what you like to do. We, conversation we had about like mental matches. Um, you need to be stoking the fire so that February or March, wherever you live, when, when if you're getting ready for in real life racing happens, you're like, the flames are going. You're ready to go. Not like, oh, I got to go train. And it's you're like fizzling out in February. I think that's what the January superstar is. Not someone who's fit it's someone who's just burning out like the training is not meshing with their life they're not they're not happy I mean it yeah I could go on, and on. it's on. it's like Gary V's thing which he's all about like happiness and living life to happiness I'm like I want to coach people to be happy happy cyclists are really good racers really fast people who are really sad and pissed off are not good at racing you can't go on the rivet when you're like this sucks <laughs> it just doesn't work. But
0: And they're not hitting PRs and they're not getting better week to week because they're just grinding because something inside of them is like, I have to keep going. I have that shouldn't be what it is. It you have to find a way to lock on to something that's more enjoyable. Otherwise, you know, you're a a six-month cyclist or a two-year cyclist, not a lifetime cyclist or a lifetime athlete or or a career professional or whatever it is. Like you really have to. I mean, of course you're gonna have to grind, but at some points, you know, but you got to like the grind. Um, let's see. Yeah. So, uh, how, so aside from, from the uh, Zwift racing, you've done some RGT stuff. Do you have a preference at this point? I mean, Zwift is way more familiar, but like, I don't know if a ton of people have done RGT yet. We've done it a, a Probably more than most. I really like it, but I would love to know what you what you think about the whole platform.
1: Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, I recognize that they are very different and I really don't have a preference. It's just that RGT is so much more punchy. Where as with we kind of talked about before, you kind of sit at that steady effort and then just go harder on the climbs. Whereas on RGT, I mean, if you're on a downhill, I mean you're doing less than 50 watts if you're sitting in the draft. And on Swift that almost doesn't exist unless you're in the super tuck or something, but yeah, with RGT there's the corners and everything too. So you have to coach in the corners, then punch out of it, and and there's so many, so much more dynamic courses on there too because they have the magic road things where you can just upload a real life file and do that course on RGT. Whereas Swift, I mean, at this point. I've pretty much raced on every course on there. So like, I know all of them, but with RGT, there's pretty much unlimited courses on there. And it's it's really hard mentally. I haven't fully gotten used to it yet. I've, I'm getting better at it, but like you really have to focus the entire time because I've been in a couple of races where the pack of 20 or 30 is on a downhill. I'm kind of drifting toward the back, but I'm like, I'm still in the draft. So I'm just pedaling easy. And then all of a sudden, I fall out of the draft, and I lose like five seconds instantly, and I have to do seven hundred watts for thirty seconds to catch back up. And I was like, "That hurt. <laughs> that hurt a lot." Yeah, whereas yeah, whip kind of has that sticky draft, it kind of extends a little farther, I think, and if you fall out, like you can get back a little bit easier than that. but yeah, RGt, and I've done a couple of, like two hour road races on there where at the end, you're just kind of like mentally drained because it was like, oh man, I really had to focus that whole time. And I was going really hard at the same time too.
0: <laughs> yeah, actually, I had a bad start on last Sunday when uh, for the Gila Monster. And I don't know what happened. I either had a dropout or I wasn't pedaling soon enough. And, like, and it's slightly uphill and everybody started going. I was like, I'm going. And I was like, wait a second, I'm not in the draft. And it was like I literally started the race with a full sprint it was okay. Like once I got in, it was, it was okay, but it was a, it was pretty violent way to start a race that I thought was going to be like kind of long and, and not start off like that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I forgot about the starts. The starts are crazy. Cause it takes like your, the, so the speed that you start at is like average of the last five seconds before the start. Cause at the beginning I was doing it like Zwift where it's like two or three seconds before I would like spin it up really quick. And then it would just take that power and I would go. But on an RGT, it was like, well, I wasn't pedaling from five seconds to four seconds. And then I did like 700 watts after that. So I'm going off the line at like 300, 350. And everyone is doing 1,000 watts up there and I'm gone already. So like the first echelon race, I just got dropped off the start and never made it back. <laughs> I was pretty sad.
0: <laughs> okay, so I didn't even know that. I was starting i i was i was too casual on sunday because normally i'm like amped up and i'm like let's go but on sunday i was like this is gonna be chill and that's what got me in trouble sounds like
1: you made it back and had a good race though i remember that was that was the stage where you you were off solo with like a couple hundred meters to go right yeah i oh man i decided
0: that in that race is better to have a the best uh defense is a good offense. So anytime the pace was slow, I was like, I'm just going to go as hard as I can and make people think I'm really good at climbing. I'm okay at climbing, but I was just, you know, offense. That was my whole, my whole game plan. And we got to the end of the race and Brendan and I had had this conversation is like, when in doubt, lead it out. I was like, you know what? Something inside me is saying this is too early, but do it. And so I just went for it and a little too early, but it was, it was fun. (laughs) That was a, that was a, that was a good experience. Um, I don't know, Brendan, do you have any, any Zwift RGT questions that are burning in your head for Zach?
2: Um, no, I think my biggest question was that he had answered of like, ha- helping athletes understand how you can use less last hours to get better results. And then also what you guys broke down, like really well, I think of, just having a higher power now doesn't necessarily mean that's going to mean you're a better road racer. It might mean you're better at Zwift, but like, I think it's important for people to understand. These are two different disciplines. It's not just biking, just as track cyclists are going to do different things on the track as on the road and et cetera. Um, so I think when I see as a, and it's probably self defense, like I see an article, like what we might title this, I'm riding less, but I'm riding better than ever. I'm like, BS, no way but for what you're doing 100%. So I think you guys laid it out really well that people can understand like, okay, there's different avenues. And while it's obviously going to all come back together as you as a cyclist. And I think this, no doubt, this platform will make better road racers because now you're seeing like, okay, less junk. When am I going to do my intervals? When am I going to place my intervals? And that's what Zach said too, that I thought was really good of, you know, you might push it a little bit too hard on one session and then it hurts the next session. And then there could be a domino effect within your cycle. And some athletes, they're like, they crush it Tuesday. And then we have like an easy Wednesday. They crush it Thursday. Then they're like, I'm Superman. And they crush it all weekend. And the next week they're kind of crappy. And like, but I was just really good last week. I'm like, dude, look at how much you did last week. You're a great athlete. You're not Superman. Like at some point the body's like, I'm good. So it's you know I think it's going to help people plan more and I think having just Patrick what you said of like you have an HC climbing in your backyard now whenever you want to hop on the trainer and knock out some work that's super that's awesome I mean I'm looking at right now it's like I'm hoping that it gets above freezing so I can like go do an endurance ride or I might break out the rollers that have dust on them and like do a couple 10 minute intervals but not having Zwift there's definitely days where I'm like all right I'm missing out I need to like get i need to live somewhere where i have a setup so maybe next year we'll see but yeah no this is good i think there's a lot of valuable tips for people of like how to go back and forth and use different skill sets to apply to the other version of racing and training
0: I got one last one for you. Jack,
2: do you have anything else that you would like share or things maybe you wish you knew before you started Zwifting? Like what, what could fat help fast track people to making these gains? What are some cheats?
1: Ooh, well, you can always lower your weight, but <laughs> I wouldn't recommend. That okay. Wait, wait, no, no, no. So, so not cheats. Oh, what no. are like
2: good training hacks? <laughs> yeah. What was like, what's your go-to like, uh, I don't know. Now that everything's controlled, like not like what's a good random like workout to do, but what what do you wish you just knew? Like maybe setup, or maybe it's. I always tell athletes that. I mean, I don't zwips when people ask me zwip questions. I usually send them to Patrick, but I'm like, all right, I know. Got to have fans. You got to like learn how to start if you're going to do the races. You got to understand the platform, like those basic things. But I don't know. Is there anything else that stands out to you that, like, man, I wish I knew that when I started?
1: Yeah, keeping cool is definitely one of the biggest things. Um, so having a fan or for me I mean I also live where it's very cold in Milwaukee so like I'll just crack open the window a little bit and it will be like 50 55 degrees in here and it feels so good <laughs> and uh, I think for racing I think knowing the courses was like the biggest change for me because I pretty much jumped in to Zwift and immediately started racing so I never even ridden on any of the virtual roads so every climb was new to me I was like I don't know how long this is how hard this is like I I can see the gradient but I don't know like how that translates to like how hard is the field going to go because in real life I was like well if this climb is six percent if I do 400 450 watts like there's no way I'm going to get dropped and then on Zwift we're hitting it at 550 600 I'm like how is this possible (laughs) so I think learning the courses and then knowing when you can recover too like um oh, learning the super tuck was big for me because I was like, I would always pedal down the hills at like two or 300 watts. It was like, I don't want to lose the draft. I don't want to lose the draft. <laughs> but then now I'm like, as soon as I hit that cutoff, I'm immediately coasting because I'm like, I'm going to take all the rest I can get right now. Yeah. i would definitely utilized that. 57. Yeah. I think it's 57. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think learning the courses was the biggest thing for me, knowing when you can recover and saving energy is the biggest thing. It's hard to put into words how to do that. It just takes a lot of practice, but like you never want to finish the race being the guy that has the highest average power or highest average watts per kilo, because if the front group is 25 guys and you averaged five watts per kilo, but everyone else was between 4.1, and 4.7, it's like well, you all finished in the same group. You were just wasting energy the whole time. There's really no point in riding harder. And so I always try to be that guy that has the lowest watts per kilo now. <laughs> it's hard to do, but once you figure it out, it's like, wow, these guys averaged 50 watts more than me for the whole race. Like, no wonder I had a better sprint at the end.
2: That's a really good tip. That's really good. Cause I don't think I would even think about it that way. And you should like, I think it's it's either in a book or somebody said it a long time ago. It's not who pedals the most; it's who pedals the hardest when it really counts. So that's teed up for that perfectly. Uh, Wally, you got any finishing I got, finalizing notes of?
0: A- yeah, one one more question. So so like, um, of course, you know, you you said you did that one week where you just did like four or five races in a row, and I'm I'm sure by you know, the next week you're like, "Whoa, that was a lot of stimulus." So, like, for me, I'm still trying to be pretty religious about making sure I do a, a lower intensity rest week every three after three weeks of of work. Um, sometimes too, just depends on how my life is going and how you know what the metrics look like in WKO. Um, but like, how are you doing? Uh, monitoring that, like, when do you know you need to rest and If you get yourself maybe a little into deep, like what's the strategy that you, you you use to recover well? So like after a week, you're like, I'm back.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I've definitely been there before, right. Where I did a very religious and detail oriented approach to that where it was like, I'll look at the numbers and take this amount of rest and then I should be good. I think over the years I've, I've definitely gotten better at just knowing how I feel So like after that big block of racing I did, I didn't race again for a week because I was like, I just need the extra rest now. If I come back too early, I'm probably not going to be as good as I was before. And I'm just doing more damage at that point. It doesn't hurt me to take a week off of racing right now. I'm just going to lower the volume a little bit, do some easy rides. And then after a week, come back. And then the next week I came back and like set a power PR. So it was like, that was the right amount of rest. (laughs) And then I've also used um, resting heart rate and HRV um, to track that kind of stuff, uh, the physiological stuff behind that recovery. So normally my resting heart rate is around 38 to 40. So if I have done, I think after the virtual Gila, the next, the day after the third stage, it was, my resting heart rate was like 47, and I was like. I should definitely not go hard today. If anything, I'll do like an hour easy or just take the day off. And then I'll see that number the next day and the day after that. And it's not like the, it's not everything. Like I also monitor how I'm feeling, but usually at that point I'm gonna be tired. I'm gonna be sore. And then I see that number. I'm like, that makes sense. I could use some extra rest right now.
0: Yeah, so it's a confirmation of, of kind of your intuition and experience.
1: Mm -hmm. exactly yeah
2: yeah um i think that's really big of like coming back to i think it's so easy to come back too soon like i'm a very traditional like easy monday through friday um i'll do some like anaerobic testing at the end of the week and it hurts but like the watts are usually really good but i've come back like felt like yeah i'm 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 back on like thursday and just started back too early and then like get a week and a half in and i'm just like mm, that was a mistake don't don't do that again and um i think it's just i think we all we want to ride we want to do stuff it's really tough for athletes sometimes to rest and that's like the biggest thing that i preach of just like you said it like okay a few extra days not gonna kill me to not race it's like just think long term take the time and it's good to hear. I'm almost. I kind. Of, I wish Whoop didn't have a monthly subscription fee. I really kind of want to try one of those, but I'm also scared because I think it would be like you're riding too much, and so I maybe i maybe maybe that's a sign that I really need to to get one. But
0: I, don't I went know. with the I went with the Aura Ring uh for HRV, and it doesn't it doesn't really do squat while you're training, and the probably you probably won't even turn it off when you're out riding because It's not as it's it's oversensitive to this. Like, so if you're out pedaling, like it it thinks it doesn't quite get like your exercise amount right, but it's it does really great job with sleep tracking and and that you know resting heart rate and body temperature and all that stuff. So that's I've I don't I I think I found the parallels I need, but I'm I still am sometimes. I'm like, why is my HRV high today? It should be low because I'm cooked. But so, but it's nice, but the resting heart rate is nice to have and it, it's good in the background, and there's no subscription. So
2: yeah. So let me ask you guys this. And this is my biggest like hang-up on heart rate of that for training. I I had wore I wore a heart rate monitor for a really long time. And then I was like, I'm never really looking at this. Like I don't, you know, I've gotten to power and um You know, i looked at decoupling and things like that. But my one issue is the monitors suck. They, well, number one, heart rate. It's obviously like if you sleep more, you sleep less, you drink coffee. There's like all these variables that go into that. Secondly, look at a heart rate monitor. I mean, I've had them, I was going on a ride and this was the last. So I haven't ridden with one for like three weeks now because it broke again. I think it's like the third one this season and just like stops. And I'm like, how is my heart rate 146? Like I just went really hard. And so I like went really hard again. I'm like, oh, it's been frozen on there and then i like do that and it's like 170 and i'm like oh well okay so now all the readings are bad anyways like i just have do you guys like is it just something that i have to get used to like the readings aren't always going to be accurate and when they're skewed they're skewed like i just feel like i'm not collecting great data so to spend money on something like a whoop or to pay much attention to it i'm like oh it could just be coffee or it could be this like am i just being overly picky and making a poor choice about that or do you think there's some validity to like we need a better way to monitor this so that it's precise you know i don't know
1: yeah with with that i use a garmin heart rate monitor i think it's the dual hrm and in terms of accuracy I, i mean i've had them they usually they usually break after like a year or two of use for me so, okay. and then in terms of accuracy, I, I haven't had like a ton of serious issues with that. I always try to put it in the same place and like make sure it's wet a little bit before I put it on. Sometimes it takes a minute or mm-hmm. two for it to sync up with the garment, but mm-hmm. typically it's pretty pretty accurate um, for me at least. And then I, I I definitely know what you're saying with using it and trying to look at those numbers because there's so many variables and when i was when i race on the road i never look at heart rate during the race because yeah. it's just going to be it's going to be all over the place and it doesn't really matter if i if it's too high it's not like i'm going to go easier to get it down it's like well i need to stay in the group so
2: i had a teammate do that he literally said dude my heart rate i my heart rate was so high i was about to explode i'm like wait did you literally lay off the gas because your heart rate was quote unquote about to explode he goes yeah i go i can't compute that like I, what the what it it <laughs> so anyways yeah. yeah yeah so sorry
1: not to tell you but yeah no it's okay um so and then i think for me i think the biggest thing is looking at it individually so for me i've noticed that like during a race well because i have to look at it on swift um which has been kind of a mindset change because it's always just there on the corner um But like, I've noticed for me individually that during the easy parts of the race, if my heart rate gets really low, like I know I'm on a good day, that my heart is recovering really well and I can sit at a high wattage, still 270, 280, 280 watts, my heart rate will get down to 140, 145. I'm like, oh, this is good. If I'm on a bad day where my legs are kind of tight, I'm not feeling great. Like it'll stay up at like 160, 165. And then just my heart is working harder the whole time. And I know it's very individual because I also have like had teammates who can hold one ninety five for an hour long crit and then win. I'm like, "How are you alive <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it's it's so individual that i've definitely i have enough data I feel like I have enough data on myself now that I can look at the trends for myself but I know that those are so individual. And when I talk to my athletes, I never apply my own learnings to them. I just try to look at their data and ask them, like, how do they feel? Like, do they see any trends within their own data that like, Mm -hmm. if it's higher, are they on a bad day? If it's lower, are they on a good day or anything like that?
2: Mm -hmm. Cool. That's good.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I'll just add that. It's just like any other metric It's incomplete and it's imperfect, but it can sometimes have some value. Like for, um, I, I I mostly use it if I'm actually using it as a, I refer to it, you know, if I have an athlete or myself and it's like, okay, we did 90 minutes steady. What did at this power, you know, how does that relate to what it looked like a month or six or 12 weeks ago? At That similar because that'll be like kind of like a bread and butter type of ride like how did those two and I'll compare those two that's really the only time i ever I ever use it like okay did we did we see some sort of can we measure a, an improvement there from month to month or block to block whatever it is but it's you know it's just it's all over the place, like you guys both said it's just very imperfect. <laughs> Well, it's, we'll go one step further. It's very imperfect.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But, well, thanks, Zach. This was good. It's good to have another voice on here, another uh, perspective, and somebody else out there crushing Zwift and racing. And so, will you do real life racing if it comes back safely this year? or What's your plan moving forward?
1: Yeah, yeah. I plan on uh, still doing the Zwift thing for a while and then as when real life racing comes back, looking at uh targeting some road stuff with Project Echelon and then some gravel stuff with the uh, Pan Pro team. So we'll see when real life racing comes back, but could be a really full calendar by the end of the year. So
0: <laughs> let's hope so.
2: Keep you busy. Well, thanks, man. Thank
1: you guys for having me on. Yeah, Thank this is really you fun. All
2: right. Talk yeah, it's awesome.
0: See ya.